0: Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos?
1: So let's rock. It.
0: it is beer sample Friday. For some people, it's Friday the 13th. For others, it's the global day of jihad, the day of rage. But around here, from three to seven on Fridays, nothing's going to change. It's Beer Sample Friday. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. I'm Jason Hammer, Guy Relford, in for Big Nigel today.
2: Happy Day of Rage, Guy. Well, no, absolutely. But you know what? When you we combine National Day of Jihad here in Indiana with Beer Sample Friday, you get National Day of Yeehaw. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right. It's a National Day of Yeehaw today on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, we'll get into the latest with what's going on in regards to the war in Israel. But first, we've got some news, man. We knew it was coming. We don't yeah. like it. Stellantis has announced 700 employees will be temporarily laid off at the Kokomo transmission and casting plant effective October 13th. Of course, this is in regards to the strike. What the UAW is doing against the big three automakers.
2: Yeah, and you know what? You, you got to look at this as a two-edged sword. You would think for the UAW, because here, you know, these people are getting laid off to the extent their UAW members are turning around, looking around, saying, "Hold on, is this really in my long-term best interest?" And they may say yes. And as part of the union, you get some strike protection as well, right. In terms of your income. So, you know, I don't, I won't, I won't try to speak for any of those people. But you, you just got to believe that there's a long-term solution in the works here. Sooner than later, but man, it's sure been dragging on for a while. And
0: it's fallen out of the news cycle too. Yeah. And we talked about this yesterday. I think this is an important thing because when you are trying to showcase, like if you're the UAW and you feel like you're being wronged, you want to showcase to the world that the big bad evil automakers—they're screwing you. But right now, with what's going on in Israel. The House situation with the Republicans, the inflation report that came out, this story has kind of fallen off the news cycle, but you still knew stories like this were coming.
2: Well, it has fallen off, and at the same time, I'm wondering, since this thing started— Jason, the number one question I've had is that is did the UAW do itself a disservice by coming out with the 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 demands they made initially? In other words, the first thing I heard was a 40% pay increase, and 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 listen, don't you know, don't quote me on these numbers, but I recall that and thinking. Wow, you know, who, who? When's the last time anybody got a forty percent pay raise in this country, especially with the economy doing what it's doing? Right. Would people say, "Well, the economy's, you know, in the dirt, um, you know, in the in the dumpster," so I need more money granted but that means also um, that businesses you know can be struggling just as well but when they came out with a with the percentage increases they were demanding as well as all the demands on uh, pensions and and long-term protections and insurance uh, it was a huge package and yeah hey you know start high and negotiate right. I'm not mad at him for asking I'm for not the mad moment. at him for asking but when you start there I don't know I think it takes a little of the momentum away uh, from your side uh, on that but that's just my 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 individual observation. So Hamas has called
0: for protests and in some cases violence worldwide targeting Israelis and Jews today. It's been dubbed the day of rage or the global day of Jihad. This is after the former Hamas leader called for all of this to happen in support of the Palestinians in a video that was put out on YouTube. Quote. We must head to the squares and streets of the Arab and Islamic world on Friday to all scholars who teach jihad, to all who teach and learn. This is a moment for the application. Again, I can't stress this enough. That was on YouTube during covid Doctors were kicked off because they had questions about what we were being told, about the vaccines, about the efficacy of masks. Doctors in America who were just having a debate were kicked off. But you've got the former leader
2: of Hamas... Creating the Day of Rage on YouTube. Donald Trump was kicked off Twitter because uh, he, he, they didn't like his his response on January 6th that he somehow was promoting violence. When you call for a national day of jihad and a day of rage across an, you know an entire not just a country across the entire world is what they're asking for. How, how do you justify that? In New
0: York right now, uh, Times Square is packed. There's a lot of pro-Palestinian protesters. The New York Police Department, they've got all of their officers working today. Nobody was allowed to take a vacation or time off. It was all systems go. Yesterday here on Monument Circle, we had not only the pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas BLM folks, but we had a surprising turnout from the pro israel people as well i didn't see that
2: coming no and you know the thought i had jason as i was driving downtown because i wasn't sure what to expect i didn't know if we'd see protests again today being the national day of jihad uh and day of rage but you know one of the things i I couldn't help thinking about was if you're an impd officer and you see this national day of rage you know day of jihad and you're thinking man i don't know if there's going to be protests down here What? what what where does your mind immediately go? It goes right back to the summer of love, right, as you guys always call it in 2020, when when the IMPD officers that tried to do their job and stop violent protesters and rioters and people who were destroying businesses, you know, some of those officers actually got prosecuted, you know, and and as opposed to any of the damn protesters. And I and I put myself right in the shoes of the IMPD officers, saying, man, they they've got to be dreading. You know, just that God forbid any kind of violence or whatever breaks down or breaks out, I should say, in in, in downtown Indy, because are they going to be allowed to do their job? And then w- w- are they going to, in fact, be thrown under the bus simply because they try to step in and protect the city? That That's where we are in this city right now. And I will
0: say this. And I was talking to some people in the hallway about this yesterday because Tony Kennett and I walked down there. We were street level. We were getting video yeah. doing all the things. The police did an amazing job yesterday. The IMPD and the Indiana State Police both did phenomenal jobs. They let everybody have their shouting contests, and everything was pretty peaceful, like it really was yesterday. And the thing that bothers me the most is if you go back to that summer of love guy, back when the riots were happening, there's no doubt in my mind, if the police were given the thumbs up to actually do their jobs- They would not have allowed a lot of the
2: damage and destruction in the city of Indianapolis. I absolutely uh, agree with that. And, And I was down here, you know, early on that day, not after things started getting really odd later in the day, but I was down to do my show from 5 to 7 on that Saturday. And when things really got violent, uh, it wasn't until 10, 11, midnight or so that night. But as I was watching it out of the window, and I actually reported on my show, I said, you know what, Uh, I'm okay with all this. This is what the First Amendment is all about. There were people on the circle, and they they were having their protests, they were making their voices heard. And I'm like, all right, I may not agree with their voice, but at the same time, this is what our constitutional uh, guarantee of, of the right to free speech is all about so God bless them, you know, protest uh, make your voice heard and, and then right at the end of my show it was just right up about 7 o'clock I looked out the window and I saw some graffiti on Monument Circle, first time all day, and I went, uh oh Uh, Is this going to go in a bad direction? And then even by the time I got to my car and started pulling out of the garage, he started seeing more and more people congregate. He saw people carrying big, heavy backpacks. Right. And I'm going, oh, gosh, you know, these backpacks full of rocks like we're seeing in other cities and whatnot. And lo and behold, man, it got real odd later on. Well, the police
0: Uh, yesterday put a stop to that kind of stuff. There was somebody that came up with like a suitcase. I think Tony Kennett got some video of it. And the police were like, no, 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 no. You are not bringing this up. Unknown
2: suitcase in awesome. this situation. <clears throat> See, I mean, that's a lesson learned right there. But to the extent that this, the, the police were allowed to do their job, that's what's so heartening to me to hear you say that because I wasn't down here yesterday. Uh, because that's what you we know, don't look. We got a great police force in IMPD. The rank and file, you know, you and I always say the same thing. We're behind them a thousand percent. It's just a matter of uh, allowing them to do their jobs.
0: And if you think about it,
2: The world's
0: largest one-day sporting event happens in Indianapolis every year. Absolutely. And every year, 300,000 people go in, 300,000 go home. I get it's not an angry crowd, but there's never very many situations the police handle that like bosses
2: and it's really not even all hands on deck yeah well and don't minimize the angry crowd i mean you know i go up when when you know when andretti fans always always left angry right (laughs) that's true because you always waited every year for and mario's slowing down that was that was an annual event there
0: were some people that left (laughs) a little angry i stand corrected (laughs) Can you tell me what day it is? Today is Friday. It's Friday the
3: 13th. Ready for that?
4: Friday the 13th. It's
0: Friday
3: the 13th. It's
5: Friday the 13th. I'm
3: not superstitious. He's really superstitious. Me
5: superstitious? You must be kidding. There's no point in being superstitious. Yes, there is. You are the unluckiest person in the world.
2: This show is the unluckiest show on the radio.
3: It's showtime. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show.
0: Oh, man. What could possibly go wrong when the National Day of Jihad and Friday the 13th come together. And then when 5 o'clock hit rush hour, yeah. like it's cats and dogs living together, Matt Bear, Mass hysteria. <laughs> as Bill Murray
1: said in the movie or the perfect storm maybe when those three storms hit at once. Um, yeah, no, it's great to be here. It's it, Rush hour has started. We have work projects everywhere. Um, the two that I'm thinking about are on the west side and one in Lawrence. You have the northbound on the west side and the southbound in Lawrence right now. And um, those are supposed to be done Monday morning before Monday morning rush hour, which is a big win for us traffic people. You know, it's it's like the sports guys when the Colts win. Right. This is a traffic <laughs> thing. You know, this is a big win for the us. The numbers Tra- go up. Run. Yeah, the right. numbers are going up. We, we had a must win uh, for Monday morning, and we got it, so it's perfect.
0: Somebody in the YouTube chat, Bill, says, please ask Matt what's up with the, uh, what looks like new stoplights going up on the ramps from Emerson to 465." on the south side. Are you familiar with any of that? Yes, it would be an
1: I-69 project. Emerson to 465 as they rebuild the interchange. You know, the, the, the state they've been building since 83. It feels like I-69 going up from Martinsville back to Evansville to Indianapolis. I mean, all of this on the south side, these westbound, eastbound lanes, this construction and the stomp lights is all part of the rebuild of I-69. So this this work goes on until the end of next year, and we're going to keep seeing things like this, ramps opening, ramps closing. We do get a ramp reopening. But it's on the northeast side. That's kind of cool. It's uh, 82nd and northbound. That's been closed all year, and that's supposed to be back at the end of the month. So, yeah, it's it's construction is such a, abrogate, a- aggravating thing if you're driving it. And of course, it is because you get one back and then you lose one. And then you lose one, and then you yeah. get one back. And that's that's how this kind of goes. And Guy Ritley and I were talking about before the show, You know, there are ways around it to go on the city streets, but as you take away those ways, you get them back on the interstates, and those go away for another construction <laughs> project. Right. And it's just, it's like Inception, the movie, you know? I, I mean, yeah. the little top spinning at the end. You want the top to fall over, and it all be over, but the top never falls. You um, know, always Matt, I,
2: I got something positive to say about traffic. For the first time, I, I had a hearing that a Vandenberg uh, Superior Court on Tuesday, and so I, I I went all the way down. I got on 465, got on 69, and went and yeah it's a little bit still a uh, little construction uh, between here and martinsville but I got to tell you the vast majority of that it's open it's irritating as hell you got to slow down to 55 going through bloomington the communists in bloomington are, are just <laughs> trying to, to, to rake us over the coals for some traffic tickets but for the most part that's a really enjoyable drive now I got to really commend the highway uh, department in Indiana for uh, for really cranking that thing out and it's a nice drive now and, ha- and having a little bit faster car with a with a radar detector I made all kinds of time going down there. So,
0: you're the speed guy. You're not the gun guy, you're the speed guy. That's I, who you are.
2: I have been known to do a little bit of that, yes.
0: That's <laughs> the, the speed
1: gun guy. Yeah. The, the, the gun hits it with the Indiana State yeah. Police. The speed
0: and, gun. Matt, by the way, great job yesterday. We had a lot of crazy things happening out on the circle. You know, Tony Kennett and I walked out there. We were covering it from a news talk show host standpoint. But it was also affecting traffic because some of these folks were starting to make their way around various parts of downtown Indianapolis, not just isolated on the circle. They started to march in other areas and you had the traffic and you knocked it out of the park. Oh, thank you. And uh,
1: that means a lot to me. And and somebody said that online, too. And it really I am never that means. uh, uh, Thank you. Uh, What happens yesterday was a crazy day. And, you know, I, I say that with a grain of salt because we're talking about traffic compared to what else is going on here. And, but we've um, seen this stuff before. Yeah, we've seen this stuff before. And, and the thing about the circle was I, I, I didn't start talking about it till about 615 when a lot of people were out walking around the circle. And that was because you, you you have to choose. You have a 66 minute delay on the south side. Another one that's going 47 minutes on the west side. What do you get to? And eventually became a safety issue with people walking around Mile Square, with people walking around. Around Monument Circle, and and that's when you start to address, it, and that's when you start to report it. Even though I know it it was tough because you know it's it's the big thing you need to talk about. Right. But at the same time, my job is to go to the south side and talk about the 66 minute delay. But when safety came uh, a concern, as it is walking around downtown, that's when you start talking about. It, that's when we brought it in. But uh, and you so did a great, great
2: job. Things. Thank you. Great and tips Matt, how do you get all that information that quickly? I mean, is is it it's NDOT, IMPD? I mean, you've got all these different you know, resources. Are that, they are coming to you in real time. How, how does that even work? Because it amazes me that you're so fast in getting information out. Uh, the best source I have are the people who tweet me at WIBC Traffic and really? Traffic.
1: Yeah, um, those are the people that uh, we talk with every day. They talk to me. They, they talk to me. I, I'm, I'm blessed. And um, do they send you nudes? They send me nudes. Um, I send them nudes. Um, sometimes we send half nudes on a Thursday night. We, we have a schedule set up for that. But um, it's it's. The, the, the people that, that, that talk to me, that, that talk back, are the ones that make this thing really go. And we, we have scanners. No kidding. Yeah, we have scanners. And, you know, and I call the dispatches with NDA and Metro Dispatch, NDA Dispatch. These are really cool people. I mean, they're just like us, just grinding it out on a day-to-day basis, you know, working 10, 12 hours a day and, and just trying to make it work. And we, You get so much more if you're nice, Oh, you treat them like human beings. And you just don't be like, hey, listen, this is, he's i on Matt Bear from WIB. And just go into the reporter thing. It's like, hey, man, you know, this is. Well, this is, this is why you're the best in the business. Is, you are the
0: traffic goat. You are the greatest yes, of all time. No doubt about it's, it. I,
1: I just, if you love people, if you really love people, it comes off. And that's, that's, that's what happens. All right. We got
0: 30 seconds here to, before we got to hit a break, I've got two Colt fans, big time Colt fans in the studio. Yep. Guy Relford, Matt Bear, Colts and Jags. Give me a score this weekend, Matt Baer.
1: Okay, I'm going to go Colts 27-23. Colts win. Colts win, yeah. Guy uh, Relford. I
2: already went public on this. I Very close. I said 27-24, and we're going to win it on about a 53-yard field goal. Guy
1: Relford's my man! There it is.
2: Where can people find you, Matt?
1: Uh, you can find me at Mountain Traffic. A uh, lot's happening there. Always a lot of chatter. And uh, as always, thanks for having me on, fellas. Uh, and Allison, love you guys very much. You're the best. That's Matt Baer.
0: This is The Hammer and Nigel Show.
3: You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show.
0: It's The Hammer and Nigel Show. It's hammering friends, really. (laughs) I mean, it's become that, right? Uh, Guy Relford's filling in for big Nige today. And let's go to the hotline right now and bring on our friend Tommy Piggott. He is the RNC Rapid Response Director. Tommy, let's get right into it here. The war in Israel, we all see it. We've seen a lot of the horrific photos that are making their way around social media. How do you think the Biden administration is handling what's going on?
6: Well, I think
7: first and foremost, we need to say as often and loudly as possible that we stand with Israel, that we condemn these atrocities that Hamas is committing, that we need to call out those that back Hamas, such as Iran. And I think it's on that final point where especially the Biden administration has failed to really respond to this appropriately. They have failed to call out Iran. They have failed to call out the largest state sponsor of terror. It's pretty clear from any sort of good faith analysis of this that Iran is responsible for these attacks in the sense that Hamas would not be Hamas without their backing. Uh, And so we need to take action to make sure that Iran cannot keep funding these terrorist activities, cannot keep attacking our allies. And it starts with that $6 billion that Biden unfroze last month. And so far, they have refused to take concrete action to make sure Iran can't keep funding terrorists. Right.
0: Concrete action is the key word here, because we heard that they were going to freeze that. But until I see the action, the actual freezing of it, it's just lip service, right?
7: Exactly. Well, first of all, when I saw that, it was reported as quietly agreed to freeze that money. Why quietly? Why not make a loud statement? Why not say loudly as possible that this is unacceptable that Iran is acting like this? Iran, the largest state-sponsored terror, unacceptable. We we're going to take action to keep that money flowing to Iran. Why, why can't they take action to stop that money loudly and clearly? And then on top of that, it was reported today that so, right now, the funds are in a Qatari bank, based off of my understanding, and it was reported by Qatari officials that there was no agreement to freeze the money. So, the Biden administration's whole argument against taking that concrete action is that they can refreeze the money at any time. And then the obvious question is well, if that's true, why don't they? And it's not just the $6 billion that they're refusing to refreeze publicly and clearly, it's also the fact that they are failing to enforce oil sanctions against Iran, which has allowed Iran to accrue billions of dollars in order to keep on funding Hamas and other terrorists. And I I, I don't think we should lose sight of the true barbarity of Hamas, the true evil of Hamas. And the fact that Biden's really not willing to go after those that back Hamas shows that he's not acting appropriately in terms of supporting Israel and really taking action against terrorism.
2: Well, uh, Tommy, to your last point, and this is Guy, um, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there really are two central messages here, I think, that, that we should be hearing loud and, and clear from the RNC, and that is that it, exactly as you just spelled out, the, the Biden administration response to the Hamas atrocities is underwhelming is at best. But secondly, is that without the perception of an incredibly weak leader in the U.S. White House today, it's very likely that we would have never seen these atrocities to begin with with. And and I I, I absolutely believe that and I think that's a key message that we also have to be focused on.
7: I think to that point, one of Joe Biden's legacy if not the defining legacy of this administration is going to be chaos on the world stage. That's exactly right. Yeah, under Joe Biden, we saw Afghanistan fall to the Taliban. We saw Russia invade Ukraine. We see China on the march, emboldened, menacing Taiwan. We see Hamas launching attacks on Israel. We see Iran openly saying they're going to use money that was unfrozen by this administration to fund more terrorism. Openly saying that, and Biden is doing nothing. The, The chaos that we're seeing, the weakness that we are seeing from this administration is emboldening our enemies, making us less safe, and it's also connected to energy. Production in the border. We have an administration that won't even defend our border, won't even take action against cartels that are menacing Americans every day. While at the same time, refuses to unleash American energy, so we have another bargaining chip when it comes to we don't need to rely on energy sources from our adversaries. We, we don't have another bargaining chip to say we're going to make sure that Iran can't profit off of oil. If we unleash American energy. We'd be in such a stronger position. And Biden is so uh, indebted or so dedicated to the far left, he's refusing to do that. And it's really endangering uh, the American people by not unleashing American energy.
0: Tommy Piggott is our guest. He's the RNC Rapid Response Director. You can see some of his work on the Twitter handle, at RNC Research. So, Tommy, I'm going to play a soundbite for you here in just a moment. I want to get your reaction. And what we're seeing right now from a lot of the liberal national media, which, if we're being honest, is the majority of national media, I would say probably 80 to 90% lean very Left, we've seen MSNBC go out of their way to not call this a terrorist attack. But Nikki Haley, former UN, uh, you know, secretary and running for president, she spoke about what we're about to see from not only the attack from the Israelis, the counterattack, the ground attack, and how brutal it's going to be, but the way that the American liberal media is going to cover it. I'm gonna play you this sound bite and I wanna get your reaction afterwards.
5: We have to completely eliminate Hamas, but what I want the American people to remember is we've seen the images and as horrific as they are, and as heartbreaking as all of this is, we are saying right now, eliminate Hamas. I can tell you because it happened all the time at the UN. When they start that ground game, when Israel starts to move in to eliminate Hamas further, you're going to have all these other countries and you're going to have Americans say, you need to show constraint. You need to be able to pull back. No, they need to eliminate Hamas. We are supporting Israel now because they've been hit. But the more important part is we have to support them when they hit back as well. Don't tell them to stop. They saw too much death. They saw too much destruction. and Hamas will do it again. We have to eliminate them, regardless of how they try and intimidate us. And we have to remember the reason we have Israel's back is because it's not that we need, that Israel needs America. America needs Israel. They're the front line of defense to this jihad terrorism. And that the next thing they want is America. And we should never be so arrogant to think that we don't need friends.
0: And Tommy, I'm glad Nikki Haley got out in front of that because it's coming. Because the Israelis are not here to play around and once they officially go all in, this thing is going to get really bad really fast, and I think we all know what's going to happen with a lot of left leaning media.
7: I think she's exactly right. And in fact, as you mentioned, we're already seeing that in left wing media. We're seeing that on college campuses. We're seeing really horrific anti Semitic rallies from the far left on colleges Uh, People that have been elected to local governance, uh, rallies in states across the country, these anti-Semitic protests, if that's even the word for them, already trying to condemn Israel, trying to blame Israel. It's really unacceptable. We're already seeing that. And we're seeing a refusal, again, from Joe Biden and others to really condemn this strongly enough to come out and say, it's not acceptable. That we have members in the democratic caucus that are members of the democrat socialists of america a group that is out there putting statements out that are blatantly anti-semitic blaming israel for this when israel is the victim that israel is defending themselves it's so unacceptable that we're already seeing that from the left it's only going to uh, intensify i think she's exactly right nikki haley is to point that out to say that we need to have israel's back and i think it's also important to remember that this is not the first time that hamas has even attacked israel We're talking about a history of of, of barbarism from Hamas, and it's time and and it's appropriate for Israel to defend itself. They have every right to defend themselves and protect their, uh, their citizens and civilians.
2: Tommy, additional question for me, and that is that you know here we're 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 realizing that there's this National Day of Jihad, National Day of Rage, has been called by Hamas, and you know by the grace of God, I haven't seen anything horrific happen in the U.S., and I hope that continues. At the same time, do you think the level of anxiety um, that Americans feel on a day like this, when that's been uh, called for, you know, essentially a call for violence here uh, and elsewhere in the world, w- would we have the same level? Of anxiety if we hadn't had completely open borders for the last two years because I just saw a report that you know Border Patrol reports that they've had over you know over, uh, people from over a hundred different nationalities that they've encountered crossing the border uh, into the U.S. the southern border and and, and and including you know Syrians and and and, and many many others uh, from from countries that we know uh, have large factions that oppose the U.S. and and have uh, threatened violence against the U.S. It seems to me the immigration policy factors right in to this entire discretion as well.
7: I think it does, and it goes to the point of how the left has not been telling the truth about the national security threat that is posed at the border. I mean, there's of course a humanitarian disaster, but the national security element of this should not and must not be lost. We're talking about millions of people that are crossing the border, millions of people that are being released into this country. And as I saw Marco Rubio put it recently, even if a small portion of that number has malintent towards this country, that's still a huge number of people. That is a huge number of people that we're letting into this country. And I think you're exactly right to point out the illegal immigrants from special interest countries, which are countries that have conditions that are either pose national security threat or promote terrorism. Uh, we have no ability, according to Border Patrol, to vet those people because we don't have documents to vet against. We can't vet somebody if we have no information on them and they're being released into this country. And on top of that, it's not even that's not even talking about the 1.5 million Godaways who have crossed the border and escaped into the U.S. without being apprehended or encountered. It's just escaped. We have no idea where they are. We have no idea. What their intentions are. The only thing we know is that they purposely were trying to avoid being captured, which it would be naive to assume that there was not at least a portion of those people that meant to do Americans harm. So it really is a concern. And I think it also points to this broader concern that we have under Joe Biden's leadership of a president who's weak, a president who's refusing to stand up to our adversary, the president who's refusing to call on Democrats to enforce the law when it comes to cities across the country that's refusing to enforce the law at the border. It's creating this condition of uncertainty. And I pray to God that nothing happens. But we need a Republican president. We need Republican policy that say, we're going to enforce the law. We're going to secure our border, and we're going to support our allies.
0: Tommy Piggott, RNC Rapid Response Director. Check out some of his work at RNC Research. Tommy, great stuff. We'll do it again next Friday. Thanks, Tommy. Hey. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Look at this spread that we've got in the studio here. We've got a fajita bar. We've got tacos. And Liz is here. Now, Liz, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing the name of your restaurant correctly because I'm a pasty white kid from Beech Grove, Indiana, (laughs) and I want to make sure I get this right. El Caporal.
8: You are right. Oh,
0: man. There we go. Where are you guys located at? We are
8: in 3970 Georgetown Road in the northwest side of Indy.
0: Now, you guys just opened up this past year, right? Correct. On
8: um, July 4th, actually.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. How's business been so far?
8: Really good. Really good. Community really, really embracing what you guys are doing? Yes. We're getting good response from um, all the clients. Um, new guests coming in every day. and So that's pretty much saying that. We what's, got the, good stuff. Uh,
0: what's the house specialty? Like if somebody comes in and says, what do you recommend? What does Liz recommend?
8: Caperell steak. Okay. What is that? Um, Ribeye, steak. Oh, (laughs) Uh, now we're talking. Uh Right? Uh, Fruit salad, rice. Yeah. Okay. Yes, of course. Now, when
0: you've opened up a restaurant, again, you've done it within the last year, we always talk about how crazy the economy is right now. Everything seems like it's more expensive than what it was last year, the year before, five years ago. How has it been with getting your materials?
8: Um, we haven't had much trouble. Um, we got good providers, good prices, so and good food.
0: Yes, you do. So what are you looking at here, Guy? Like, you got to dive into something here. Well, my mouth's watering. First of all,
2: it smells wonderful, but I'm looking right at uh, fajitas all ready to be assembled and some uh, what look to be soft-shell tacos that look rather fabulous as well.
0: I posted a photo of the spread they brought in here on our Twitter. So if you go to at Hammer and Nigel right now, you'll be able to see uh, some of the spread here. Uh, Take us through a little bit of the menu items. What do you have?
8: Um, We have um, authentic. Mexican food. We have a little bit of a touch of American also with some fastas.
0: What does authentic Uh, Mexican mean?
8: Authentic, um, made from scratch, fresh ingredients, um, and all freshly baked. So it
0: didn't arrive on a truck pre-made, and then you just heat it up in a microwave. That's what you're telling me. No, that is true, yes. (laughs) That's mm-hmm. awesome. And again, what are your business hours? like? Because I know when I'm in the mood for Mexican food, sometimes it's a little late. Sometimes I may or may not have had a little tequila in me, <laughs> and I want to get some Mexican food. How late do you guys stay open?
8: Well, um, until 9 o'clock, Monday okay. through Friday. And then we do have um, special nights, karaoke Thursdays and Fridays. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so we got... Do you sing, Liz? Um, Sometimes. That's a yes. That's a yes. We have good margaritas, good drinks. So after a few, then yes. What's what's your go-to song? Um... Cannot decide.
0: I have a list of karaoke songs. Uh It ranges from Baby Got Back to a very inappropriate version of Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. Those are my go-to songs when I come for
2: karaoke. Old
8: school, most likely. Right,
2: right. And Liz, you may be detecting a common theme here, but is there also a bar in the restaurant? Yes. Okay. So if I want to just come in and belly up and and have a couple of margaritas and and eat by myself at the bar, that would work as well. Yes, and you would love it. That's one of my all-time favorites. Mm-hmm.
0: I see some beverages in the back here. What uh, what? Are, what's in these little uh,
8: cup holders in the back we here, Liz? We have we brought for you guys agua frescas. Okay, um, which is rice water, which is or, um orchata, and then we got hibiscus which is okay. also, it's called um, Jamaican water. And then we brought also pineapple water, which is really good. Okay. My favorite. And then um, margarita.
2: Oh, we got a little
0: mm-hmm. margarita. dips. Dibs yeah.
2: on the Having been to Jamaica, I've had some Jamaican water that's probably illegal in India. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's not illegal. <laughs> All right, last thing before we let you go here, Liz. I'm a guy that likes a little fire in my food. I like mm-hmm. some hot sauce. Yeah. I like hot peppers. Yeah. What do you got that burn me up
8: um caporal bites fuego bites um there are wrapped jalapenos with cheese and bacon oh
2: yeah. that and sounds and amazing you know what fuego but, means right
8: uh-huh. yeah
0: that's uh i believe that's spanish for hot right do i have fire fire yeah that's ball education right there you bet. <laughs> all right el caporal and this is on the north side north West side of Indianapolis in like the Georgetown Road area, right?
8: Yeah, 38th Lafayette, Georgetown Road. Yeah.
0: Oh man, this smells so great. Thank you for coming in. Best of luck to Thank you guys you. Thank and you guys. uh we can't wait to chow down here. Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel show.
3: Hammer and Nigel.
4: Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock. It.
0: Hammer and Nigel show. Guy Relford in for Big Nigel and As we told you yesterday afternoon, we were starting to hear the rumors, the rumblings and grumblings that Steve Scalise didn't have the votes. He won the closed-door secret ballot of the Republicans-only competition against Jim Jordan, but when they tried to tally everybody's votes up, he needs to get to 217, did not have the votes. So he was going to withdraw his name. That happened late last night. So it sounded like... It was going to be Jim Jordans and Jim Jordans alone. But now we're hearing there's going to be somebody else jumping in the mix. An establishment guy from Georgia who's designed to basically just cypher votes away from Jim Jordan. So, Guy Relford, here we are, basically in the same situation we were in before, because the establishment Republicans don't want Jim Jordan to have the speakership.
2: You know what I hate about all of this, uh, Jason, is thats that... Is that- Look, I get the dissatisfaction with Kevin McCarthy, and I, and I disagree with a lot of what Kevin McCarthy did, and I agree with a lot of the criticisms of Kevin McCarthy. But the, what I've had a problem with the entire time since... The, the vote um, to get rid of Kevin McCarthy, is the Republicans never had a backup plan. See, they should have they gotten their ducks in a row and figured out exactly what they were doing and who the replacement was going to be before they brought the vote to get rid of Kevin McCarthy, because what they've done now is they've displayed a remarkable lack of leadership. And yeah, that I think Democrats can use to their advantage. The look, how can the Republicans run the country when they can't even run their own party? That's a legitimate criticism right now, which breaks my heart. That we're we're op- we're open and susceptible to that criticism. At, at the same time, you know the fact that that they. They they it's like firing your coach when you have no idea who your next coach is going to be. Yeah, it feels great to fire your coach, but now you got no damn coach, and you got to play a football game. And the difference between those and between those analogies is that you can still show up and play the next week. You know, as a team with no coach, the House of Representative is shut down. They are shut down. They can do no business until they have a house. I think this makes Republicans look dysfunctional, and I'm, I'm, I'm disgusted with the whole process.
0: And. I'm upset at the establishment wing here because I get it. You might have liked Kevin McCarthy. He might have been your establishment guy. Fine, whatever. But it seemed like everybody liked Jim Jordan. It's the one person I feel like that could kind of bring both sides together. Absolutely. And now they're nominating people out of spite just to run against him. And it's going to be interesting now. Matt Gaetz, the representative of Florida, he was kind of the ringleader of this whole thing, the one that was behind boosting or booting, rather, Kevin McCarthy. Here he is talking a little bit about the speaker drama.
4: My goal is to get the most conservative speaker of the House who can win, somebody that's got broad trust across the conference, someone who can get the job done. And, you know, the real reason we had to get rid of Kevin McCarthy was that he wouldn't do a budget. He wouldn't have single subject bills that appropriate to different agencies. He wanted to do everything by continuing resolution and, and probably omnibus spending bill. So we want to liberate ourselves from that. The swap of Washington dc is going crazy because they are not in complete and total control right now and hopefully this gives us a great opportunity to put the interests of our fellow americans first above the folks uh, who would really drive our country into more managed american decline
0: now i've said from the beginning i'm not mad kevin mccarthy got booted no if you thought you were going to get a surefire guaranteed upgrade from McCarthy because if, and again, it's a big if, but if McCarthy was indeed negotiating with the Dems behind the scenes for more money to Ukraine and hoping that the Republicans don't find out, that's a problem. That was one of the allegations Matt Gates put out there. But now we're in the situation where it seems like the McCarthy allies and the establishment folks, they just want to kind of give Matt Gates a taste of his own medicine.
2: Well, I think that's right. And again, you know, just being against the current plan is not having a plan. And, and that's my problem, is that the whole thing looks disorganized, it looks dysfunctional, and that doesn't help anybody long-term. D- again, I'm no fan of Kevin McCarthy and the criticisms of Kevin McCarthy, whether you hear them from Matt Gates uh, or elsewhere. I-, I agree with a lot of them, especially on the spending side and the agreement with the, the Biden White House uh, on an interim budget. I understand that criticism. I agree with it. But have a plan before you destroy the current infrastructure. So, Paul Ryan, now his name kind of
0: rings hollow for a lot of Republicans. This was a guy that was the Speaker of the House. He was the vice presidential nominee for the horrific campaign of John McCain. Paul Ryan, kind of the face of the establishment rhino Republican right now, he's like the mascot. He has got problems with Matt Gates.
3: I think what Matt Gates and these seven nihilists did was a total disgrace.
9: Four percent of the conference overturned the will of 96 percent of the conference to fire a speaker for what? Doing his job. Um, if Matt Gates had his way, we would be not only in a defunctional Congress right now, but we'd be in a government shutdown. So I think it's disgraceful what these people
0: did. I mean... With the reputation of Paul Ryan right now, with the way that that is, I think that's the best endorsement Matt Gates could possibly get. If Paul <laughs> right. Ryan's upset about it, you're probably doing something right. Yeah.
2: Now, if, you, if your criticism is against rhinos <laughs> and yeah, you hear that, you're feeling OK. You knew Matt Gates wasn't
0: just going to take that. He's a guy that likes to punch back. Here's Matt Gates responding
4: to Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan actually threw me off the budget committee when he was speaker because I had the audacity to want a budget that balanced. I was for the Trump tax cuts, but I do not believe that we should have been deficit spending for those tax cuts. I believed in, in reductions in federal spending to, to offset those tax cuts. Paul Ryan uh, didn't agree with that, and so he literally threw me off the budget committee for wanting a balanced budget. Uh, Paul Ryan also was a failed speaker in a lot of ways and probably has great, great empathy and great connection to Kevin McCarthy and that they share that commonality.
0: So right now, this is what we know. Jim Jordan's name is in the mix to become the speaker, but he's not alone. The establishment wing of the Republicans, they're putting up their own candidate. It's this cat from Georgia, and Austin Scott is his name. And it seems like Austin Scott's only in this to make sure Jim Jordan doesn't get to 217.
2: Again, not having a plan is not having a plan. I mean, you know, they're, they're trying to destroy what someone else is trying to accomplish is not the same as having your own plan. So, great, they, they prevent Jim Jordan from becoming Speaker. What the hell's next? Because if this guy doesn't have enough votes to be Speaker either, we're just going to hang in limbo. I think the whole thing makes the Republican Party look uh, completely disorganized and dysfunctional.
0: So yesterday on our program, we had the superintendent of the Indiana State Police, Doug Carter, on with us. And the subject was very specific, the Marion County justice system. Okay, something we've been talking about for a while. Guy, it's something I know you as a lawyer have to deal with repeatedly. And the question was, how can we fix what's happening in Marion County. Because it's not just Republicans, Guy. Yes, there's the Democrat prosecutor and the Democrat mayor, but there are some judges that have been appointed by your Republican governor that have been making just tremendous amount of mistakes. So yesterday, Doug Carter joined us, and he's calling for a way to hold prosecutors and judges accountable the same way that we hold police officers accountable. Hammer. What I want to do is, is talk about the, the perpetual review of law enforcement. We welcome that. We learned a lot after May 20th of 2020. And we, we owned a lot of that. We owned that. Some of that criticism was righteous. And it caused us to be perpetually reviewed and scrutinized and then reviewed again by people who have no idea what it's like to to, to exhibit or receive in tr- tremendous violence. We're at a point now we welcome that. I want the rest of the system to feel the same way. Be as transparent as you expect us to be. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, and is. this goes for judges. This goes for prosecuting attorneys, county prosecutors, the whole nine. Well, and, and you know, like I said earlier today, um, absolute immunity is different than qualified immunity. And prosecutors and judges have absolute immunity. They they, they they cannot be held accountable or responsible for the choices that they make. I don't pretend to understand them. I'm not the smartest guy. They're lawyers. I'm not. But, um, but there's this perpetual need to be transparent.
2: Right. And we accept that. Why don't they? Your thoughts, Guy? Well, I mean, prosecutors are elected. and uh, And we have a way to hold prosecutors accountable, uh, and that's to vote their asses out if we don't uh, like the job they're doing. Unfortunately, Marion County, the voters, uh, by an overwhelming majority, what over 60%, keep re-electing the same prosecutor. So we have accountability for prosecutors in, a, in the sense that they're elected. To the extent that there could be like a recall uh, procedure or something for judges, I get that. And and I think judges ought to be accountable. At the same time, uh, the idea that, that we could turn around and, and sue judges uh, or sue prosecutors, uh, I, the, the qualified immunity that, that is in place, uh, there's a reason for it. And I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. I have people contact me all the time. You know, if a judge uh, grants bail to somebody. And they go out and hurt somebody, then we ought to just turn around and be able to sue the judge. You know what? Uh, that's that's putting a judge in the position of of being all knowing, you know, and, and some kind of mind reader to know uh, to understand human behavior in the future. And I don't I don't think that's an appropriate process. At the same time, some system like a recall system, where if you get recurrent horrific decisions that right. results in people getting hurt, you know, having a judge recalled makes some sense to me.
0: It feels like there's two discussions here. There's the- the legal stuff and there's the human heart stuff. Yes. Because I understand if your loved one has been killed by somebody who has a rap sheet longer than a CVS receipt and they got a sweetheart deal and the judge basically just gave him a slap on the wrist to get out of there, that sucks. And somebody should be held accountable for that. But legally, you make some great points.
2: Yeah. I, it gets really problematic. We're just going to turn around and file lawsuits. Um, and, and even though I'm a lawyer, I'm, I'm, I'm not litigious in that way. And I don't think that many more lawsuits is going to help anybody at the end of the day. Nigel presents
6: it depends upon what the meaning of the word is, is this
3: anything?
0: All right, let's rock and roll. rock and roll with big nige outs, we've got the gun guy here and he is going to play is this anything guy are you ready absolutely is this anything a teacher who's also a stand-up comedian from kansas lost his job as a teacher when he posted a video joking around about lying to kids and crop dusting
10: them Teachers, if a student is annoying you, just remember, you can lie. I teach history. I tell my students the wrong stuff all the time when they annoy me. I tell them that Abraham Lincoln invented the car. That's why it's named after him. I tell them Logan Paul and Jake Paul had a great-grandfather named Paul Revere because they don't even know how names work anymore. And (laughs) I crop dust them, and then I just let it stew. And then I walk away, and I go, oh, my God, it stinks over there. And then they have to sit with it. And you know what? They can't fire me because they
3: need me too badly.
2: But they did fire him. Is this anything? Yeah, that's something. It's because it's disgusting. I mean, the guy's just telling jokes. You know, and he, he's having fun. He, it, there's nothing there that's somehow damaging damaging to kids or, or, or somehow uh, inconsistent with him doing his job as a teacher. Uh, I think mainly, mainly what it was is, is that the school board probably took it as a challenge when he said, they can't fire me because they need me too bad. They, and then their immediate childish reaction to that was, oh, yeah, well, watch this. Right. Because I promise you, way worse
0: things get said in that school from other teachers. They went out of their way to make a you know, example of this guy, but don't you think they'd give him at least a shorter leash, knowing he's probably just doing this because he is a comedian, like well, he's saying things for a
2: video because that's what you do. Exactly. So he's just trying to be funny, and and I and was relatively funny. At the same time, look at the abuse that teachers have to take in classrooms all across this country. You know, from from students, and they're expected to show up, do their job, and take a lot of uh, incredible abuse from students uh, because too many parents aren't doing their job or expecting the, the school to do it for them, and, and to turn around and punish this teacher for that, because he's telling jokes, that's just silly, and uh, and I hope he gets his job back.
0: All right, Allison, this one's for you, okay? You are the resident Taylor Swift fan in the room. The You're the Swifty. <laughs> Taylor Swift's new movie, The Eras Tour, officially hit theaters today, officially- kind of the key word here because some theaters jumped the gun and did it yesterday, which ticked off a lot of Taylor Swift fans who paid big bucks for a presale. Is this anything?
3: Uh,
9: no, because you're still seeing the movie, and it's the same ticket price, I believe. Uh, you just see it one day later, and you know, be thankful you get to see it.
0: So what is this movie? Is it just her concert, or is it like a, a rock doc of her putting a concert together? What is it?
9: I believe it's the concert itself. I'm sure there's probably going to include behind-the-scenes stuff. No,
0: uh, you went to the concert. It's like three to four hours long, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, at
9: least I could sit down for this one.
0: So is this movie that long? Like I have no idea.
9: I'm but, sure. I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be.
0: All I know is it's going to set box office records because everything Taylor touches right now
2: turns to financial gold. Even well,
9: Beyonce well, came to the that premiere. Well, on
2: that note, I, I have a question for Allison. Allison, oh um, are you now more or less likely to watch the NFL because Taylor Swift is 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 dating Travis Kelsey and? Do you know who Travis Kelsey is?
9: Uh, I do now. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I I still don't. I mean, I saw him concert. I'm good. I don't need to see a flash of her on a screen.
0: <laughs> now, what we're hearing, there's disgruntled Kansas City Chief fans because the secondary ticket market, which is where the scalpers live at now, is... Um, the Swifties are buying up all the tickets. That's crazy. So the die hard Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs fan, like like Jimmy Cook that walks up in the fan that yeah. you know, his family gets together, they put the jerseys on, they've got the whole deal. Now they're having a harder time getting tickets because the Swifties might get a glimpse of Taylor up in the suite.
9: Well, I, what are they expecting her to start belting out in song? I mean, I just I don't I don't understand the point of that. I don't know.
2: So long term, do you think this is good or bad for the NFL? Oh, the NFL loves this. Oh, oh, I know they love it. They love it. But a lot of fans are rolling their eyes going, come on, I don't care. You're annoying me by doing all of this. Long term, do you think it's good or bad for the NFL? I still say
0: it's good because us NFL fans, whether you play fantasy football, you're a gambling degenerate, or you're just a diehard fan of a team— you're going to watch the game. Yeah. Right? Like, I've seen some pretty awful things from the Colts in my life. I've seen three win seasons. Oh, yeah. I've seen a lot of crap. I can deal with Taylor Swift. <laughs> but if the NFL can get some new eyeballs to their sport, and they can see how crazy it is, how fun it is, you know, the dances in the end zone, the big hits. That's what the
2: NFL wants. Yeah, you know what? If there's a bunch more 14-, 15-year-olds walking around with Travis Kelsey jerseys on, that's not a bad thing. I'm totally okay with that. Everybody wins. Yeah. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.
0: You're listening to the Hammer
3: and Nigel Show.
0: So we've been kind of being smartasses all afternoon because it's the... Worldwide global day of jihad. Yeah. And Guy Relford, bless his heart, we've been the ones been doing a global day of yeehaw in here today, <laughs> having a good time because we can't let these a-holes exactly. scare you, right? We're not saying don't
2: take any threat seriously, but you can't let these a-holes scare you and ruin your life. That's the most important point right there, Jason. You nailed it because you know what? When you are scared, when you do change your life, to, to, to you know, for the negative, um, for the worse. What are you? You're terrorized at that point. You have been successfully terrorized by terrorists. right? And that's why so many of us refuse to allow. Now, do you prepare? Yeah, you know, did I, did I change the way I came downtown or what I brought with me when I came downtown today? Yeah, a little bit uh, beyond what I usually do, uh, but I will not be terrorized because I refuse to let them win because every time that we we, we change our habits, every time we, we, we allow our lives to be negatively impacted, we're successfully terrorized and I refuse to play that game.
0: Now, I will say this, this scene that we're seeing in Times Square in New York, this big pro Palestinian rally, there is a lot of people at this thing, and there's a chance it could go completely off the rails once the sun goes down. So keep an eye on what's happening across the globe, but specifically in New York tonight, because it looks like they're getting ready to have a New Year's Eve celebration in Times Square. That's how crowded it is with all of these pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas, pro-terrorist people. All together, you know, wishing death to Israel and death to America.
2: Yeah, and when you have a call from Hamas, which is what, a global day of jihad? What is that? That's holy war. So what's the likelihood, you know, that a handful or even one of these people, you know, set off to do something really horrific, really destructive? You know, you gotta believe that's a legitimate threat.
0: And right now the Israeli army. They're kind of lining everything up. They're getting their ducks in a row for what could be a massive ground attack. And it sounds like this could be any time tonight through this weekend. They are getting ready to show a lot of force, a lot of might. And, Guy, this isn't going to be something where they'll go in and go after specific targets. This is personal to the Israeli army. And there's a lot of young people. A lot of younger listeners, a younger generation that are about to see what war really looks like.
2: Yeah, this is uh, house to house, building to building, street to street. Um, this is ugly as it gets, you know, and, and those of us a little older uh, remember Fallujah. Uh, right, And a lot of our military that went through that, that was house to house, um, uh, street to street. And, and that gets uh, really, really violent and really up close um, and really ugly. And, and that's exactly what we're going to see. But you know, it was incredibly noteworthy to me, Jason, because exactly as you said, you know, Israel warned the folks in Gaza and said, look, if you're a civilian there, you need to get the hell out. You need to get out in the next 24 hours. And what did Hamas say on the in immediate response to that? They came out and they said, no, 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 ignore Israel's demand to evacuate, do not evacuate to the civilians, to the civilians. And that was so telling to me, because what's Hamas saying? Hamas is saying, no, 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 we want you here for two reasons. We want you here as a human shield between us and the the IDF, the Israeli military, and we also want as many civilian casualties as possible so we can turn around and go, oh my gosh, look at the Israelis who killed all these civilians. So Hamas wants civilian casualties. That's the only message you can take from that. They want as many dead uh, civilians in Gaza as they can possibly uh, come up with, and that's shocking. It's not shocking, it's Hamas, but it's disgusting to me. And there's a
0: lot of, we talked about this earlier, national American media outlets that will side with the Palestinians on this. Yes, I can't believe absolutely. the Israelis are doing this. They should pull back a little bit now. They're not going to pull back. No. What happened to them is personal. This has been a long time brewing. They want this thing to end, and this is going to be grisly. And to understand what really is going on here. Trey Yinkst, he's a reporter for Fox News. He is embedded in Israel and I think he's been doing a phenomenal job. He's do been too. doing a really good job. He had access to go into a home that was previously, you know, occupied by Israelis but they were slaughtered to death by the terrorists last weekend. Listen to Trey describe the scene inside that house almost a week later.
7: The kitchen floors are stained with blood. People were home at the time. It was early in the morning on Saturday when Hamas militants stormed into their homes. And the soldiers here tell us they found bodies that appeared to be executed, people with hands tied behind their backs, mothers holding their small children, bodies decapitated. Pure horror in this small town.
0: So the Israelis are not going to pull back. No. This is personal to them. And what floors me, and we saw this a little bit yesterday here on Monument Circle, we're seeing it all over the country. These woke, rich, spoiled, entitled college kids, these Harvard kids, among other places, protesting, not knowing they're left from their right in support of the Palestinians.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, again, you can't say it's shocking because that's who, who these people are. They they just want a knee-jerk reaction in favor uh, of of these leftist policies. Um, but the fact that these the, the, the Hamas went in there and slaughtered innocent people, they 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 paraglided into a, a music festival. And, and murdered a whole bunch of innocent teenagers who were just there to enjoy music. The same thing these college kids like to do. Exactly. You know? and, and, and and murdered these people just mercilessly. And to turn around and say they support that. And even the, did you see the BLM uh, 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 meme that was out there? It was a, someone in a parachute, like a paraglider, yeah. with a Palestinian flag floating off of it. BLM and so, Chicago. And we support the Pal- Palestine on that. I mean, you're supporting... Killing, murdering in mass numbers, um, innocent people—that's unbelievable to me. So right now we're seeing explosions over Gaza, and
0: again the ground attack—it is imminent. It could really honestly be any point this weekend. The Israelis are not here to mess around. No. We will keep you up to date. Let's do something happier. You bet. Let's talk about making some money by being degenerates and gambling on sports. We'll do that next.
9: Friday the 13th has been a source of superstition ever since the 19th century. The number 13 scares me. People will purposefully avoid doing anything significant due to the belief that the day is cursed.
5: If I know it's Friday the 13th, if I see a black cat, I should run away.
9: Don't cross a black cat. Yawning without covering your mouth allows your soul to escape.
4: I do not whistle inside. Did you know that a young boy drowned? His name was Jason.
9: Friday the 13th for me has always
3: been more of a lucky day. Good, we need some good luck today. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show.
0: And Good luck we shall have this weekend. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. I'm Jason Hammer. Guy Relford filling in for Big Nige. Guy, you feel good about the Colts this weekend, right? I'm cautiously optimistic.
2: I think <laughs> he's eating I all think, the the yeah, leftovers okay, food yeah, that we uh, got uh, brought over. So I think we're gonna get a little Minshew magic going okay. back going back to Jacksonville, where he started his career, had a lot of success there, even as a rookie as a backup. And uh, I think this defense is starting to come together. I'm cautiously optimistic. All right. My uh, esteemed colleague, Scott
0: Long, comedian Scott Long, he's got a play on this Colts game that you can bet on. So I've got the article posted right now. If you go to the Hammer and Nigel Show Facebook or Twitter, the article is posted of all my friends and their bets for the weekend. We call it Hammer and Friends. And Scott Long Comedian's white hot right now. 11, 3 and 1 the last three weeks. That's crazy. He's 5 and 1 on his best bets. And for the season, he's 16, 13 and 1. And that's against the spread, right? Yes. That's all of this crazy. is against the spread. Your boy here, I'm 15, 12 and 3 overall. So we're three games above 500. Um, I hit the best bet and the degenerate special last week. 4 and 2 on best bets. 3 1 and 2 on the degenerate special. Now we work with two professionals David Stefanoff of followneverfade.com. This dude, if you're one of his subscribers, his paid subscribers, 64 and 45 to his VIP subscribers. And we got a new guy this week, Kenny Britt of Sports. You can find him on Facebook or Twitter. If you subscribe to his service, my man Kenny is hitting college football at a 77% uh mark right now, NFL at 67, overall 74%. So I'm balling with some heavyweights here. No doubt. Subscribe to these guys' services. They're really good, but they're going to give you games you actually want to watch. I, on the other hand, I give you the Degenerate Special. (laughs) It's time
2: for Hammer's
1: Degenerate Special.
0: This is a game that nobody wants to watch. But the money you win on this game spends the same as if you're watching Oregon and Washington. We are going back to the Mac, baby. Who wants a little Maction?
4: I want action tonight.
0: Maxion, action, and we're going back to the Ball State Football Cardinals. Toledo at Ball State. Toledo, minus 17. The over-under, 47 and a half. We won betting against Ball State last week. So, the way that I see this guy, Ball State is on a degenerate special heater. And you guys know the rules when it comes to heaters. And you never walk away from the table when you're on a heater. And we're not (laughs) walking away from Ball State now. So, here's a little tale of the tape: Offensive points per game. Toledo, 40.8. That's seventh in college football. Ball State, 16 and a half, good for 125th. And oh, by the way, Ball State's also 119th defensively. Long story short, Ball State's not very good. Toledo, they've got a dual threat quarterback, a stud running back. And I'm looking at the total in this game because I think toledo could do a lot of the heavy lifting here on their own and if you can just get a little bit of help from ball state your toes are tapping this feels like a 40 to 17 type of game or best case scenario for ball state 31 17 if it's close toledo wide receivers eight touchdowns in the red zone this year that's tied for the third best among wide receivers in football Ball State's defense stinks in the red zone. So, in six games this year, Toledo has gone over 47.5 four times. I like those odds. I see this total of 47.5. Smokey from Friday.
8: Wait, wait, wait,
0: wait wait a minute. What's this? This ain't enough. This ain't enough. I like the over in this game. Call me Captain Over. Gentlemen, I'd like you to meet your captain. Captain Over. <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome aboard. Captain, your
6: navigator, Mr. Unger, and your first officer, Mr. Dunn. Unger? Over. Over.
4: Dunn.
0: And I am over the total, over 47 and a half, Toledo at Ball State. That is this week's Degenerate Special, Top stories are next. <laughs>
3: Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos.
1: So let's rock it.
0: So the Israeli army getting ready for a ground invasion. The Biden administration telling Israel to delay their operation. I don't believe Israel is listening to the Biden administration. Strikes are happening right now, airstrikes in Gaza, but the ground attack, all eyes are on that because this will be a large-scale attack from Israel. We'll have more on that coming up in just a moment. I'm Jason Hammer. Guy Relford, the gun guy, filling in for big Nights today, and Jim Jordan, no surprise, has won the closed door secret ballot nomination to become the Speaker of the House for the Republicans. We knew this would happen. Now the question is, can he get to 217? Last night, Steve Scalise knew that he couldn't get there, pulled his name out. Jim Jordan seems like this would be the guy that could bring everybody together. But the establishment wing of the republicans they want representative austin scott to kind of sabotage the votes from jim jordan so again the closed door balloting is finished we knew jim jordan would win that now the question becomes can he get to 217 now you may be asking yourself who's austin scott austin scott was the top political traitor on wall street in 2021 and it feels like guy the only reason he's in this thing is to try to sabotage jim jordan
2: yeah and that's not productive again uh, my criticism of the republican party throughout this whole process is they never had a backup plan you know you had a, 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 a enough people say all right we want to get it rid of kevin mccarthy okay fine you have legitimate criticisms against kevin mccarthy i totally get that what's the backup plan Or are you just going to shut down the House of Representatives while you continue to demonstrate that um, just dysfunctionality is what it looks to me like? And I don't think that does them any good in the long run. I really don't.
0: And you're not the only one that feels that way. Earlier today, Representative Chip Roy from Texas went on Glenn Beck's program. And his update is this group of Republicans, they don't know which fight To focus on like what are you going to say this is what we're about draw a line in the sand this is what we're about we need a speaker who can lead us here that's not what's happening the
10: vast majority of republicans are totally fine with increasing spending kicking the can down the road saying oh the next president will save us oh we need to win the senate oh we need a bigger majority look i understand the difficulty of the moment so do you either you nor i expect us to get every single thing we want in this divided government but at some point you have to pick a major fight and mean it democrats do that all the time when are we going to pick a major fight and mean it if we're going to throw down on the border and that means accepting some ukraine spending i would prefer not to then let's pick that fight. if we need to kill all dollars to ukraine And that means we're not going to address the border fast enough. Okay, let's pick that fight. I can't get a a clear signal from our leadership as to what path we are going to choose to go win these fights.
0: And to your point, Guy, that is exactly what you're kind of mentioning. There's dysfunction. There's no leadership.
2: There's no path. What are we about? Yeah. And, you know, the, the Democrats, for all their incredible failings, uh, and how much destruction they've caused in this country. One thing that they're really good at is uh, when they're when they're in a the foxhole together, all the all the all the muskets are pointed out. Right, they and stick I mean, together. They got all the muzzles pointed outside the foxhole. And what Republicans do far too much of uh, is a bunch of infighting that just shuts down any productivity. Um, and uh, and and again demonstrates it, well what it does is it supports the arguments the that, that Democrats make all the time, which is these people can't run the country because they can't even run a, their own party.
0: So now we are turning our attention to what's happening in Israel. Again, airstrikes continue. But Joe Biden is telling the Israeli army to slow down on the Gaza operation. So, Guy, imagine if you're an Israeli and you've had Members of your family beheaded, brutally murdered. Someone you love was raped and dragged through the streets, and you've got a leader in another country who's supposed to be your ally saying, "Why don't you pump the brakes just a little bit?"
2: Well, yeah, and for all we know, too, those atrocities continue to happen. I mean, there are still um, there there are still members of Hamas uh, going house to house, and they're still searching out hostages. They're still uh, brutalizing people, um, and and if you're if you're holding on. Um, you know, by your last thread, hoping the Israeli army, the IDF, shows up to rescue you. Uh, are you very comfortable with uh, the president of the U.S. You know, sitting in, in the White House uh, a few thousand miles away going, oh, no, why don't you just chill for a while? You guys sit back. Uh, none of that sits right with me. Now, again, you want to be smart about it. And if right. it's purely reactionary and you're you're acting out of emotion and you're not being smart and you you're not being tactically sound in terms of how it is you want to approach it, that's entirely different. But just saying, Oh no, because what's that sound like? It sounds like the, the calls for, for for Israel to stand down and, and, and to basically take a step back. That's what all the pro Palestinian people have been saying.
0: And that's what Nikki Haley stated. Exactly you know, we right. played that sound by earlier. She's getting ahead of the game. She told us that the media in this country, and maybe even some politicians,
2: are going to make Israel the bullies here. Yeah, exactly right. And and us make no mistake, this was this is an attack by terrorists on innocent civilians. That's the only way you can portray this. And it's not about land. I mean, I I heard that point made earlier and I and I wanted to really emphasize it. This is not you know, people say, oh well, you know, the, the Israelis stole uh, Palestinians' homeland and this is just people trying to reclaim their home no no no. Hamas has one goal, they have one objective, and that's simply to kill Israelis. That to, to kill Jews. That's what they're all about, that's what they've always been about. This is about terrorism, it's about killing innocents, and that's what this is about. It's not it's not about land or territory. They can whatever they could have whatever land they want, they would still be trying to kill Israelis, and that's cause that's their mission.
0: Right. So we had some fireworks last night on Sean Hannity's TV show. Now, I admit I don't watch his program religiously. Sometimes it's just on in the background. But I started seeing a lot of things trending. And, man, this got pretty good pretty quick. So Cornell West and Alan Dershowitz both were guests on Sean Hannity's television program on Fox last night. Cornell West wrote that the U.S. and Israel— are to blame for the terror attacks, and then Sean Hannity called him out
6: on it. How is Israel and the United States responsible for beheading 40 children? How?
4: I'm talking about the context. 545 Palestinian children died in August 2004, not one American said a word. I believe a Palestinian baby has the same value as an Israeli baby, so when you have that kind of vicious hatred and revenge, you get response of hatred and revenge. They are all wrong. They're all war crimes. They're all to be condemned. But you cannot simply look at this particular moment without the larger backdrop of an ugly occupation and the ugly attacks chronically against Palestinians. Those are not your
6: words. words. Largely right. Israel and the United States are primarily responsible for this attack.
0: So Cardinal West goes on and on and on. Well, then Alan Dershowitz, who is Jewish. Yep had a
6: problem with what was coming out of West's mouth. Palestinian children were killed, but I explained why they were killed. Here is one of the leaders of Hamas. For the Palestinian people, death has become an industry. The elderly excel at this, and so do the children. This is why we have formed human shields of the women and the children. Hamas is the ones responsible for the killing of Palestinian children. Also, the... Hamas has a term. It's called the CNN strategy. And the CNN strategy is induce Israel into killing Palestinian children by using them as human shields. Then parade the bodies out on CNN, and you'll see what happens. People like Cornel West will engage in crocodile tears, blame it on Israel, when the entire blame is on the Palestinians' Hamas for
2: using their children, their children as human shields. And what's completely consistent with that is the point we were discussing earlier is that Israel came out today and said you need to evacuate Gaza, you need to do it in the next 24 hours. And what was Hamas's reaction to that? They said no, 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 civilians stay in Gaza. That's exactly what Alan Dershowitz was talking about. He wants the human shield. The Hamas wants the human shields and they want they want those civilian casualties because it's the CNN strategy exactly as Alan Dershowitz just laid out. And then at this
0: point in the conversation, those two guys just started going at each other.
2: You're a professor
6: of theology. Don't you understand the moral difference between deliberately murdering a kid and... Having collateral damage because there are human shields, you're running for president of the United States. What would you do? Oh, if, you wait, wait, I, wait, wait. Let me tell you. I, you I tell let you me what ask I the question. Do. Let me ask the question. Okay. What would you do if they were firing, if terrorists were firing at American children in America, and the terrorists were hiding behind Palestinian children? Would you allow the killing of Americans to continue, or would you go and get the terrorists, even if it meant possibly collateral damage on Palestinians? What would you do? I'm not defending. You are. I'm not defending. I'm off. Wait
4: a minute. Do you ever lie to me? Like you that, I'm defending the suffering and the. At the of, of, of Palestinians I want to hear and, and, and I committing war crimes. I want to hear you anybody say anybody who commits war crimes are barbaric. I, I'm saying that explicitly, but I, I want I, you to I, say if the Israeli defense forces are killing children, no, no, are they barbaric too? No, are, are no, they, are no, they ever no, barbaric? no, no. If they no. target, if they target children, yes. Have they, I, have they ever targeted? No, oh, never, never in the history
6: have they ever targeted a buddy,
0: child I mean, now we're laughing at it because these two guys are going at each other. Now imagine. About a couple thousand folks like that in Times Square. Because that's what's happening right now. Right now. Right now. Times Square is packed. It's the National Global Day of Jihad or whatever, the Day of Rage, whatever you want to call it. And Times Square in New York, it is packed. And I'm just curious what's going to happen when the sun goes down tonight.
3: You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show.
0: When Guy Relford fills in, we put him to work. Guy Relford filling in for Nigel today on the Hammer and Nigel show, and it's time to ask the gun guy. So if you're on hold right now, this is how it's going to work. We are going to try to get to as many calls as we can. Just be brief. Get your question out there quickly. We don't have time for a 15-minute story. And the best damn two-way attorney in America, a man who has written law in this state when it comes to the Second Amendment, will answer your questions. All right, Dan, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Get us going, my man.
2: Yeah, really quick. I'm getting ready to get a handgun for the first time. I'm
3: very familiar with rifles and shotguns. But uh, handguns, I'm not.
1: So
4: I'm wanting to get get his opinion on... Proper uh, training
2: for handling the gun, uh, best type of gun for carrying and home protection, or one or the other? Yeah, no, it's a great question, and I'll tell you what, there are some great instructors around Indy. I'm not doing the the entry-level pistol training anymore. I did it for a a really long time, but... um, Some place, for instance, like Indy Arms has a great training program. They'll have, like, introduction to handgun, and then you can go on to take a class like defensive uh, handgun, and they've got various levels of that. But that's just one place. And uh, there are a lot of other places that have really good training right here in the area. Uh, But um, just by way of example, I'd check out IndyArms.com, and I know those instructors there, and they do a really nice job. Jeff,
0: you are next up. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show, Jeff. we got Guy Relford here. Hey, Guy. Um, just had a real quick question here in Indiana. What is the difference between open
7: carry and concealed carry? I've got a, a lifetime carry permit, um, and I've had some restaurants and businesses that have said, nope, sorry, you can't come in, you're, you, you're carrying
0: a gun. And they send me back out, and so just, sure. just wanted to see what that was.
2: Well, whether it's um, with a license to carry handgun, which which you and I have, or under constitutional carry, which we've had since last year, you can carry either openly or concealed in Indiana. However, a business has um, the right to set whatever policy they want about your possession of a firearm in their business. So they can have a no-gun policy. You walk in there if you're open carrying and they see you're carrying a gun they can go, hey, you you can't eat in here or you can't shop in here or whatever it may be. Uh, Of course, if you're carrying concealed and violating their policy, they're much less likely to realize that. But in Indiana, you're not breaking the law if you violate um, a business's no-gun policy, uh, for instance, my client, um, Eli Dickin, and it was the hero of the Greenwood Park Mall shooting, um, he was in a mall where they have a no-weapons policy, the Greenwood Park Mall. At the same time, you know he chose to, to violate that because he wasn't breaking the law in any way. And thank God he did because now dozens and dozens of people are, are, are alive because uh, he was a hero that day that stopped a mass shooting in 15 seconds.
0: Cameron, you are next up. We've got Guy Relford here. Go ahead.
9: Uh, just a uh, quick question. Kind of to back on to the uh, last guy's question, how you've got a place that's got a, a policy with no guns. Let's say uh, it's not a policy. Let's say it's a law. Let's say you've got a guy who's a serious, violent felon who's in possession of a firearm at the time of not a mass casualty, but let's say a, uh, a uh, homegrown terrorist attack. And that person who's not supposed to have a firearm that is in possession of the firearm stops the threat. Um, What's your thoughts on any forthcoming charges on that individual?
2: Well, I'll tell you exactly how the law works in that situation. And that is that um, you don't lose your right to defend yourself or defend other people because you're illegally carrying a gun. If I'm a serious, violent felon, So under both state and federal law, I can't possess a gun. If I'm walking around the circle here and and somebody tries to kill me, I can defend myself. And I don't commit murder if I otherwise lawfully and justifiably defend myself, uh, but I could still go to jail for possession of a gun by a serious violent felon. In other words, I didn't lose my right to defend myself or defend my right to, to defend somebody else, um, so I don't go to jail for murder, but I can go to jail for the original crime I'm committing, which is possession of a gun by a prohibited possessor. The dead bad guy is irrelevant. Yes. It's just the gun charge. That's just the gun charge. That's right. It's no different than if I didn't use force and self-defense and just got caught with a gun. So
0: we've got uh, John Doe, who wants to come on and ask you a question, guy. Go ahead, John. All right, first and
9: foremost, it's a pleasure talking to you guys. It's an honor. My question is centered around the Center Township Constable's Office. What is your input on the situation where their radio communications have been taken away and the constables uh, that are out doing their job – uh, have no radio communications amongst themselves. Do you feel that may be an officer safety risk?
2: Uh, yeah, I think anytime you interfere with officer communications, I mean they rely on that. I mean that's one of the big part of their training is acting in a coordinated fashion and appropriately uh, communicating. Uh, and interference with police communication uh, can actually constitute a crime to the extent you're interfering with police activity. David, you are next up. We got Guy Relford here. Go
0: ahead, David.
9: Okay, it's strictly a hypothetical question. It's more of a bringing awareness of what is
3: possibly going to
9: happen. Is I live out in the country. My wife and I, we're both close to retirement, so we're elderly. And uh, I, I think this jihadist insanity is eventually going to reach out and go insane. Um, defense of my home. Uh, I'm a shoot first i'm not going to let somebody harm me or take a take a shot if i feel threatened i'm shoot him shooting first
2: well the, the, the rules change for defending your home in other words feeling threatened or, or, or protecting yourself against serious injury uh, or the commission of what's called a forcible felony, those can be requirements being out in public in order to use deadly force in self-defense. But in the home, the rules are different. That's why we call it the Castle Doctrine, because you can simply defend your home and you can use reasonable force, including deadly force, to either prevent or terminate an unlawful entry into or attack on your dwelling. That's your home. So you don't have to you don't have to see a weapon. You don't have to fear being injured. Um, if someone's illegally, it is a critical point. It can't be someone who has a key that you've given to, or their names on the lease, or, or on the deed, or whatever. But if they're illegally attacking your home or breaking into your home, uh, the, the statute uh, says you can defend your home with uh, with deadly force, and that's legal and it's justified.
0: All right, we got one minute left, Tom. If you can make it quick, we'll get you in, brother. Go ahead. We got Guy Relford okay. here.
2: Okay,
10: real quick. Um, I. Purchased a handgun a couple of years ago at Premier Arms. I, I'm, I want to transfer that weapon to my son who lives in Tampa, Florida. I'm going to be traveling to Tampa in December uh, for Christmas. I'm going to carry it in my baggage in a locked case, in my like, in like check baggage. But um, I just want to make sure I got this right. Can I take that gun to an FFL down there and have that legally transferred to him?
2: Yeah, you can't, uh, and so you're all over this, you can't directly transfer a firearm to a citizen of another state, so it needs to go through an FFL. If you didn't, if since you're transferring it to him anyway, and since you know it has to go through an FFL in Florida, well, it would be a lot easier uh, than dealing with, the, cause, and I've done the TSA check-in thing a million times. Um, sometimes it goes smoothly, sometimes it's a pain in the butt, but what you could do is simply take it to an FFL uh, where you live, have them ship it to an FFL near him, that he can go in and fill out the 4473, go through the background check and pick up the gun. That way you don't have to worry about traveling with it, and you don't have to worry about taking it into an FFL in Florida.
0: Thank you for all of your calls. Guy Relford, thank you.
3: You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show.
6: It
0: is the Hammer and Nigel show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nigel is out today, Guy Relford filling in. And right now, let's bring on one of our favorites, a uh, finance and economics editor from Breitbart, John Carney. John, I'm sure you've probably heard that expression. If a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to see it or hear it, did it really make a sound? I kind of feel like that's the case with this CPI inflation report that came out yesterday. It's a heavy news cycle. You know, we're talking about the war in Israel, the Speaker of the House drama. And I don't know how many people paid attention to this report that came out, but I feel like more people probably should have.
9: Yes, people should pay attention. One of the great things about it, because what it showed is that inflation is not going down. It came in hotter than expected. Uh, and so you know the the storyline, which was like, inflation is defeated. Uh, is was really disrupted by this latest inflation report. We saw that the month-to-month number increased 0.4%. That's a big jump in inflation. And if you annualize that, meaning if, you, if we had this much inflation for the rest of the year, that comes out to 4.9%. Uh, Even if you take it back a little bit, some people like to say, well, one month, you know, things can go up and down. So they take like a three month version and say three month annualized. Right. If we had what if the last three months, if we projected that for the rest of the year, what would happen? Well, that also gives you 4.9 percent inflation. That's a lot of inflation. It's way higher than the Federal Reserve's 2 percent target. It really speaks to the fact that inflation is proving a lot lot stickier, a lot more persistent than anybody thought it would. The good news on that is, I don't think people depend on the data to tell them that inflation is high, because they go to the grocery store, they try to take you know their family out to eat, they try to fill their gas tank up, And they see that inflation is still very strong and prices are still rising way too fast.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt the average family, you know, they see the cost of everything and they realize they've got less money than they did a year ago. Or the amount of groceries they bought last year, the same amount, cost a hell of a lot more. But do you think the Biden administration caught a break? And I hate to use that term break because, again, there's horrible things happening in the world. But did they catch a break? Break because there weren't a lot of stories about this awful report yesterday.
9: Yeah, I think I think they did, uh, and I also saw a lot of Biden supporters um, in the media and elsewhere, and you know, mainstream economists uh, on the left, more or less trying to gaslight people about inflation. They said, oh, you know, uh, Paul Krugman tweeted out that, like, we, you know, the victory, you know, uh, basically a victory parade. You know, we, we won, the war over, inflation is over. But, of course, you know, that's just not true. One of the tricks they do is they say, well,
0: if you don't count shelter, gas, and food inflation's not up by that much <laughs> uh, everything else is fine but other than the things you desperately need to live day to day other than that things are great
9: right and so you know I'm, I joke that you know the the, the the real thing that they're trying to do is just take out everything that went up in price and if you do that then guess what? There's no inflation. You know, it's, it, So basically what they're doing is they're taking inflation, and if you minus inflation from inflation, you get zero, and sure, everything is just fine. This actually, there's a long history of economists trying to do that. It, it really began back in the 1970s when the Fed chair was Arthur Burns, and he was convinced that a lot of things that were showing up at in inflation weren't actually inflationary. So he said, you know, we had a, the OPEC, uh, oil embargo in the 1970s. So he said, okay, so take oil out. And then we had uh, food prices start to go, and he thought that was because of El Nino. So he said, take food out. And then eventually he started taking out almost anything that was going up in price. So he, they took out mobile homes at one point. They took out jewelry. Pretty. <laughs> soon, and if you take out all of the things that people want to take out, you're actually, particularly food, energy, and shelter you're left with half of what actually goes into CPI so that you're you're actually taking you're, you're not even counting half of the things that the government uses to calculate inflation and so, of course, you get a good number. It's just a ridiculous thing. And what happened in the 70s when they started trying to calculate inflation that way is real-life inflation got out of control. It went super high, and they weren't paying attention to it because they became fixated on these you know, carved-up artificial versions of inflation that, they were, that made them feel better about the numbers.
0: We're speaking with John Carney, finance and economics editor at Breitbart. Do yourself a favor and check out the Breitbart Business Digest, which is co-authored by John, as well as uh, Alex Marlowe, the Breitbart editor-in-chief. You can sign up for that at Breitbart.com backslash newsletters. And, John, one of the articles you've got out at Breitbart, the headline reads, Consumer Sentiment Plunges as Inflation Fears Mount and Expected Business Conditions Crash. Now, for the layman, put this in their terms here, because there's some scary words in here. I see plunge. I see fears. I see crash. Break this down for us. Right. So,
9: this is from the University of Michigan's monthly survey of consumer sentiment. It's the oldest and best survey that we have about how American households feel about the economy. And, it fell much more than expected. It had been, it had sort of leveled out. It bounced back a little earlier in the year and then it leveled out for July and August. Now it's crashing again. Why are people feeling worse? Well, two things drove it. One, people are more worried about inflation. Their expectations for inflation over the next year went up by a lot. People now expect inflation to run about 3.6% over the next 12 months. And their concerns over what business Business conditions will be like over the coming year. Uh, also deteriorated a lot. That was a big crash. So people are really worried about the the overall economy over the next. We call it six months. So that has sapped consumer sentiment. Uh, and. You, traditionally, big drops in consumer sentiment lead people to pull back on spending, to say, like particularly on big ticket items, cars, appliances, that sort of thing. And so um, this is a warning um, that yes, the economy is growing pretty strong right now, but people are getting worried. Now, I will put a note of caution. That's happened before. We've had some pretty big downturns in consumer sentiment, but people, because the jobless rate has remained very low. People have been able to keep spending. So maybe we don't get the pullback in consumer spending in the near term, but still people feel pretty terrible about the economy. And frankly, if I, if I were the Biden administration and you know the people on the campaign trying to get Biden reelected, I would be very worried about that because I consider the consumer sentiment measure to really be actually better than the the polls that ask you know who you're going to vote for. People Answer, you know, uh, in a, for a lot of weird reasons, they, they give weird answers to who are you going to vote for. But generally, if they're very unhappy with their economic situation and with the condition of the country, then they're going to vote for the challenger and not the incumbent.
0: John Carney is our guest of Breitbart. He is their finance and economics editor. So, John, about Monday of last week, you know, after the first weekend of the war, the attacks in Israel, we started hearing those rumors that the cost of gas is going to skyrocket. This is going to be bad for the economy. Not that there's ever a good time for a spike in gas prices, but especially right now, are you hearing anything about any extra additional costs here in America as a result of what's going on with Israel? Yes,
7: yeah, so I
9: think that there was initially a, there was there was initially a spike in the price of oil. It hasn't held up. That is very likely not because. Uh, people think, you know, oh, there won't be an impact on oil from the war. There very well may be. Um, And traditionally, when you have trouble in the Middle East, that pushes up the price of oil, which pushes up the price of gasoline. Uh, But in this case, actually, there may be some downward pressure on the price of gasoline because people expect economic weakness in China, economic weakness in Europe. And we just saw the consumer sentiment numbers, which hint that maybe we'll have a weaker economy in the U.S. as well. And a weaker economy means people use less oil and less petroleum products in general. So that, you know you have these two things, the the war pushing up prices. The potential for a recession, not just here but around the world, uh, pushing down prices. So that's the tug-of-war we're seeing in oil and gas prices right now.
0: Finance and economics editor from Breitbart, John Carney. John, awesome stuff, man. We'd love to do this again sometime soon.
9: Absolutely. I love coming on with you guys.
3: Right now. Hammer and
9: Nigel
0: uh, present. Beer. Sample. Fry.
4: I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? Beers on sale, people. Come down get you some.
0: Oh, yeah. Hat tip to our pals, Thompson Furniture and Mattress in Columbus. Proud sponsors of the Hammer and Nigel Show and sponsor of Beer Sample Friday, ThompsonFurniture.net. Check him out down in CBUS. And it's Friday the 13th. And we had to get this beer. If you grew up in central Indiana, you know who Sammy Terry is, right? There's a Sammy Terry beer line out now from Scarlet Lane Brewing. And here to tell you all about it on Friday the 13th, Beer Sample Friday, ladies and gentlemen, Sammy Terry.
3: Good evening my fiends. On this most auspicious October Friday the 13th, George... And I brought you the two most appropriate beers to sample in all Hoosierdom this Halloween season. For SammyTerry.com and the master brewery Elise Lane from Scarlet Lane Brewery have concocted both my Sammy Terry Citricolsh, where every batch is made with the actual blood of the dragon. Fruit and my new limited edition Sammy sixty two ale in celebration of my upcoming sixty two years of bringing horrible haunted fun to Indiana. Tonight, as you watch the original 87 Sammy TV show, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, or any of the 60-plus Sammy Terry shows streaming on SammyTerry.com, you can enjoy a Sammy Terry Kolsch or Sammy 62 Horror Weizen Ale with your family fun Halloween Horror. I do hope you and all your listeners have a horrible Halloween and many pleasant nightmares.
0: (laughs) I got the 62. Here we go. Cracking it open. Oh, that is good. That is good. That is good cold beer. Thank you, Sammy Terry. Thank you, Scarlet Lane. This is how we start the weekend on Friday the 13th. It's beer sample Friday. This is the Hammer and Nigel show.
4: All day,
2: And love.